Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Orlando Murren. In this episode, I'm speaking to Irini Tsortsoglu about her favourite dish. Now, Irini, we can't really talk about your favourite dish without talking about your background, which I find so sunny and romantic and kind of, it transports me. Where are you going to transport me for this background? I would love to take you with me to my home island of Crete, Orlando. Crete heaven. I've never been to Crete. Um, can you can you describe it Gosh. to those of us who haven't been there in a nutshell? Oh. Your eyes have glazed over <laughs> with delight. <laughs> How can I still, after all these years, you know, everybody's biased about the place where they were born and they have their earliest memories. But Crete, I still, every time I go now, I land and I say, ah, this is such a blessed land because it feels that way. Um, when, how can I describe it in a nutshell? It's a, a globe of immense history, immense culture, immense food scene, a wonderful human qualities, hospitality, values, amazing countryside, beautiful climate. You cannot just do it in a few words. And yet you live in Britain now. <laughs> In another beautiful part of the world, which is Cambria. So I'm very blessed personally because I have two beautiful homes in two. uh, One is a national park. The other one is a beautiful island. When the rain gets me down in Cambria, I say, John, are you ready? Can we book a ticket? Can we go back to our other home? Fantastic. It sounds like the ideal life. It is. And so you were born and brought up in Crete and then your family moved to Athens. Is that right? That's right. My parents did it for our education, my brothers and I. And then my father died suddenly and everything got disrupted. My mom wanted to be back in the bosom of her family. So we went back to Crete. And that's where I met my first husband, who was English. And I moved to the UK. I love your book, which is called Under the Olive Tree. Um, And 
what it does for me is conjure up a very, very strong sense of family that that you were brought up with generations all overlapping and teaching each other to cook. It was lovely. I had a ball. And of course, out in nature. Um, That I feel very sad for youngsters who grow up in cities, including members of my family, who actually don't have that contact, the close contact with Earth, uh, with what comes from working the Earth, picking your first grape, picking the wild greens, picking. So my culinary background was also incredibly rich. And you can't kind of make up for that lack of contact with Mother Earth later on. I mean, you can have contact with Mother Earth, but if you had it as a child, it's going to be with you forever, isn't it? It's in your blood. I mean, the rain hits the soil and I'm ecstatic because you get all these smells and you understand what's happening below the the Earth. And I just love to still go back. And uh, somebody actually yesterday sent me mandarins from my garden. Oh, how lovely. Somebody was flying and they sent me, and I, I couldn't wait to open the DHL package, the courier package. I couldn't wait to open the courier package and smell the the tangerines from my own tree because there is nothing like it. You're not going to go out there today and uh, get fruit that will smell like that. Wonderful. I was, I'm an islander as well. I was brought up rather nearer to Britain, though, in Jersey. Oh, so, it's beautiful. And, uh, well, it was very I rainy. <laughs> as rainy as Cumbria, I fear. <laughs> Um, Now, one thing that projected you into the culinary limelight was good old MasterChef. And I'm amazed how many of our guests on these podcasts have come through the MasterChef route, including myself. Um, And for you, of course, it will have changed everything. But um, had you been leading up to, to that or did you kind of just enter on a whim? It wasn't a whim exactly, but I was bored. I left banking very early. I felt later after I had done it. The idea was good. It was a sound premise that I would spend more time with my mom in Crete. I was the only daughter and I was absent from her life for 32 years already. I had a career in banking. I never really felt au fait with banking. It wasn't. It didn't resonate with me as a subject, as a as a profession. But I did it because I always worked for Greek banks and it kept me in touch with the language, the people. I traveled for business. Anyway, I decided to leave banking and we moved to Cambria, beautiful, outside the wonderful foodie village of Cartmel. Wonderful nature, amazing people. I got a couple of things to keep me busy and involved in the community, but nothing challenging. And I missed that. So I was driving my husband crazy. I was every day, John, I want to start a business. I want to do this. And he was reminding me all the time that while I need to go and visit my mom, whenever I wanted, whenever she needed me, I couldn't really give 24-7 to anything. And I saw the sense. And then one day he was so fed up that he said, oh, you know, why? Everybody loves your food. You watch MasterChef religiously. Why don't you just go and do MasterChef? And I think he thought he'd get rid of me for a few months <laughs> <laughs> while I was preparing for MasterChef. And, and it was true because I locked myself in the kitchen. I thought, well, at my age, if I'm going to do MasterChef, I don't want to make a fool of myself. You know, I, I need to be prepared. So it was like a military campaign. 
We change the kitchen, first of all. So MasterChef cost us actually a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably got it back in the end, didn't you? <laughs> um, I'm trying. I'm still trying. I'm, I still find that I spend a lot of money on ingredients and gadgets and things like that. Because once I discovered that passion, it, MasterChef lit a flame, which I didn't know was there. I really didn't have a yearning to cook professionally. I didn't have a yearning to be a celebrity, go on MasterChef, do TV, none of that. I was just bored and I was looking for a challenge. And my goodness, was it a challenge, you know, huh? Oh, it's it's a fantastically exciting thing to be involved in and we're all terribly lucky, but, but you did yeah. so well in it. And the do you get recognised in the streets? Well, I get recognised in the train coming down to London, yeah. going up to Cambria. I, rec- I get recognised in the street. Interestingly, northerners are very down-to-earth people. So I get recognised or people approach me and talk to me much more when I come south than up there. Oh, right. So they recognize you up there, but they don't, but they leave you leave you be. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is Irini, our Irini, you know, it's, but it's none of that. Oh, can we have a selfie? Can we go? <laughs> All that craze. You know, I had it yesterday. I attended the lunch, um, uh, given the Christmas lunch of the British Association of Women Entrepreneurs. And there were a few people there who are fans. And it was like, oh, all this, you know, let's have a selfie. Let's. It was great. It's, it's a fantastic force in society, MasterChef. I really think it's done so much for the British cooking scene. And it's been going since 1991, I think. Um, and it's, it's changed the way that we think about, about food and made a whole raft of marvellous people famous, including yourself. So <laughs> thoroughly good news all round. I couldn't go so far, but... <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to ask you about your favourite dish, which is why we're here today. Um, first of all, I'm not even quite sure how to pronounce it because I've only seen it written down. So, okay. so tell us about your favourite dish and and why it's your favourite. Um, certainly. So the word actually comes to us from the Turkish language. You know, Greece uh, has been influenced over the centuries by various uh, occupiers, let's say. And uh, we have a lot in our cuisine that has come from the East, sometimes through Turkey and sometimes from Turkey. So uh, my dish is called kurabiye. 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 And the root is uh, kuru, which in Turkish means dry, and biye, which means biscuit. So obviously over time, it's called kurabiye, and I'm sure it's called that in Turkish still, as it's a Turkish word, and in Greek. And can you tell me this romantic story about when you were a child <laughs> and um, you, you, you couldn't resist a kurabiye? <laughs> <laughs> there are always stories uh, that relate to food from our childhood, and there. Um, I mean, people say that the the smell, the memories that relate to smell are the strongest we have and the, the last to leave us. But I also think they conjure up happy times always. So, of course, we go to our memories of food. Now, my mother's father was a priest and um, we had to follow the rules of the Greek Orthodox Church more than perhaps other families in the village. And one of those rules that we uh, fasted regularly so kurabie is actually a traditional Christmas, New Year kind of uh, sweet uh, dried biscuit, if you like. 
And in fact, it's dusted with snow to link it to the notion of New Year and snow and so on. But these days, I make it all year round. These days, you go to Greece and you find it in patisseries all year round because it's just a fabulous thing to have with a cup of coffee or when you just want a bit of a sugar hit, but um, you don't want anything big. Uh, Beautiful. Think um, um, shortbread. Really, but with heavily roast nuts. That's kurabie. Um, so it was a fasting period leading up to Christmas. And I was probably four, five. And, you know, how do you control your <laughs> your urges as a child? I obviously wasn't very good. So in the middle of the night, I must have felt really starved for sugar or hungry, simply hungry. I knew where my mother had kept the kurabie. So I got up, I took one back to bed quickly. So no lights, no movement, (laughs) nothing. I ate it in bed. (laughs) But of course, (laughs) it never crossed my mind that my mom would see the breadcrumbs in the morning (laughs) when she made the bed. So I was in real trouble for eating that kurabie. You were rumbled. I was rumbled. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Now, you mentioned the toasting of the nuts. That's an important, would you say that's one of the defining characteristics, that the nuts are well toasted or just regularly toasted? You're using hazelnuts in your recipes, but but is it? Well, the traditional recipe is with almonds. Almonds. And I love them. So again, you would toast those. Very much. You almost take them to the brink of burning. You want the heavy roasted aromas to ooze out of them. Now, that is me. When you go to Greek households, particularly around Christmas, you will be offered the kurabie in every single one of them. And every single, so as many households there are, there are as many versions of kurabie. Because every housewife has had the family recipe and so on. I have had many bad kurabie in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Until one day I hit cousin Rula's recipe and she then made me kurabie, and for years there would be a courier package arriving at the bank pre-Christmas from Cousin Rula, and I was in raptures, you know, because my kurabie arrived. And then one day she lost her recipe. In fact, her husband got rid of all her recipes by mistake, mm. and we were uh, distraught because we had lost the kurabie recipe. A few months later, a year later, and just before I wrote the book, I was flicking through some sheets of paper, my recipes, and I found a handwritten recipe by Rula for the kurabie. Oh, fantastic. What a wonderful Because she didn't result. remember it. Yeah. And uh, I thought it has to go in the book. Fantastic. We have to honor yeah. this. <laughs> well, th- well, thank you for sharing it. Um, and that thing about the nuts, I- I'm focusing on that because I've, I'm very interested in how far you take things when you brown them in the oven. And it can make the difference between something being a bit blah and actually something being really wonderful. And I once was making a carrot cake and I put some uh, wanted uh, chopped walnuts in it, pecans, in fact, and I over-roasted them. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to throw these away. But I thought, I'll risk it. They were fantastic because I'd taken them beyond the point that that kind of meek 
point. Uh-huh. I took them to properly toasted. So you're suggesting yeah. that we do that with our hazelnuts or our almonds to get a richer flavour. And yes. they smell start to smell more strongly from the oven, don't they? Oh, absolutely. They're catching in the oven, yes. aren't they? The yes. other ingredient that you put in, which I find quite interesting, is vodka. Is that too, to make it more friable, to make it more crumbly? Exactly. Or, it actually, it makes it more crispy. Right. We use uh, alcohol, um, usually the eau de vie. Greek households would have raki or tsikudia, which is a local odevi. And we use it a lot when we make biscuits or dried uh, rusks. Or Now, I use vodka because I'm playful. The original recipe and when I do the almonds ones. And I have brought you to different types to try. <gasps> we, do, we have food. <laughs> Stand by, there's going to be crunching and crackling. <laughs> oh, yes. I, 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 I'll be very interested to see what you think. So the original courabier is with the roasted almonds and a bit of eau de vie if you don't happen to have brandy or brandy. This, um, you know, traditionally around Christmas is on brandy works well. But because I take things from my childhood, from my tradition, from the typical classic Greek cuisine, and I want to add, I want to stretch them. I want to make them my own and I want to see what's possible. Um in the version with the hazelnuts, I added vodka. But actually, any strong spirit, rum, would be beautiful. Yeah. You know, it would work very well. Yeah. So that is just me. Something like rum or brandy is going to add flavor, whereas vodka okay. is just going to do the chemical trick, but but not not add flavor. Yes. I, when I'm making pastry, I short-crust pastry, I usually add... Add about a teaspoon of vodka to the water when to bring it together, and that has the same effect of kind of fracturing the crumb almost to make it more crunchy and light and crisp. Oh, that's interesting. But um, I have to I have to eat something now. <laughs> <laughs> when a guest arrives with beautiful boxes of <laughs> biscuits, they have them. to be enjoyed. So what I'm looking at, oh, uh, as the box is open, Arini emits a puff of icing sugar, a very optimistic <laughs> puff of icing sugar comes out of the box, now, and they oh they're, they're they're like, um, well, they're different shapes, but they're like little tiny cushions of biscuit, heavily dusted with icing sugar. Have I described them right? Yes, very well. They're supposed to allude to little snowy mountains. You know? Yeah, they're like the top of mushrooms without the stalk. Yes. And you roll them in your hands to get that shape. Yes, to do them. That's right. And some are different shapes. Is that was that you being playful again? I wanted to show you one of the traditional shapes, which is that. That's more like a kind of squiggle. Could uh, I call an that S, an S shape? An They're, S shape. Yes. Uh, sometimes you see them in half moon yeah. shape, and very often they are round, very round. I tend to press them a little bit to flatten them slightly because I think they are a little bit more elegant, perhaps. <laughs> I'd say I'd say that's very elegant, and I'd say that's like two to three bites worth would you, per biscuit. Yes. Or, I, I don't think you could eat that in one, would you? No, I wouldn't. Well, you'd have to be very, very enthusiastic. Well, I weigh them so they're all the same, of course. Well, do you know I do that? But you know we're mad. We, we, people <laughs> say we should get a life if we weigh. I weigh if I'm making rolls. I want to weigh them to get them all the same, don't you? I, and you weigh your biscuits. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> Look, I love my life the way it is. And I don't care what people say. I love standing there weighing 15 grams of dough for ages until I get... It's so satisfying. (laughs) If you're doing um, bread rolls, I weigh the whole lot together, then I divide it with a calculator. So it's like 81 grams per roll. It's so satisfying and it comes out absolutely perfect. And that's so good. Well, I think we're professional, don't we? But anyone listening, don't be frightened. You don't have to do it that way. I'm going to eat one of these. I can't stop myself. Tell me, tell me what you think. But another thing Mm. I would say... While you are munching, Orlando, 
what we tend to think as waste of time or too much time or, you know, sad life <laughs> or whatever, for me, is an incredibly valuable time that we give to ourselves. It is um, time to meditate. It is time to relax. It is time to reflect. So actually, when I spend a lot of time making things, I am in seventh heaven because that's when I slow down. Yeah, I think your brain, it goes into a different gear. It's concentrating on your cooking, but it's doing all sorts of other things at the same time, sifting and sorting and <laughs> regularizing your life. I think that's why we probably find it so amazing and why we, when we come out of the kitchen, we feel better for having been there. Yes. And I, didn't I, you see how wonderful therapy it was for so many people during COVID? Yes. Because the, that's the bread, where we all went. Bread and sourdough. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic thing for people to find and discover. But I've got a friend who's written a book called Bread Therapy, which is all about how you can help your mental health through bread making. But any cooking will do it. I think this is delicious. Did you hear me crunching? Did you did did, did the, the listeners hear me crunching? You have to bite. <laughs> it you was have genuine, to take another I'm bite. Take, well, then I can't talk. Irina, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe it. It's... Very nutty, beautifully textured, at the same time as being kind of dry and crisp. It's also moist and buttery. Very buttery. When, you, when it melts in your mouth. So, I mean, you can just imagine. And you will have to try the other one, which mm. is the hazelnut version. And what I like to do, first of all, they're not very sweet, right? Mm. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night. Feeling a little bored? Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Um, the, they're not sweet when you eat them, but there's a sweet when you start. There's a kind of whoosh of sweetness from the snow on top, a.k.a. Yes. icing sugar. Yes. So in Greece, if you bought them, they would be much sweeter. Me having lived in the UK for so many years and understanding how we eat in the 21st century and what is good for us, what's not so good for us, I tend to use much less sugar in everything I do. So even the dusting wasn't the pile of snow that you would normally see. But because you have the icing sugar, you don't use a lot of sugar inside the biscuit, in the dough. The other one, now, may I, yeah, please it, may I with a hazelnut, now, I did cover with white chocolate. So that this one is a star shape and it's flatter. flatter. Uh -huh. And that, was that rolled? rolled yes, out? exactly. By the way, when you're describing the, um, the recipe to the listeners... Do make sure you tell them how to get that light texture, whether it's rubbing or aerating or something like that, because sure. I want to know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be left because um, a biscuit can be heavy and chewy or it can be light and crunchy. Mm -hmm. And that is supremely light and crunchy. Oh, I'm so glad. And so this is the hazelnut one. Yes. Are you, are you going to crunch one as well? Or is it just... I, I could do. <laughs> right. Yes, goes, let's right. crunch together. Mm. 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 <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be like this with my own creation, but I can't help it. Gosh, that's good. Um, the the nuts are still have a little nutty texture, mm-hmm. but they're not kind of um, powdered. How do you, how do you get that texture? Is mm. that is that done in the by hand or in the in the processor or? I I um, pulse them, mm. but literally for like that's it. Yeah, you want hot bits. You know, you really want. You want to the, the full scale the from the dust mm-hmm. to the chunk, chunky. Mm-hmm. So the, the but the biggest bits aren't very big, are they? They're probably about quarter of an inch or whatever that is in millimeters. Are you good at millimeters? I'm not good at millimeters. I'm very good at millimeters. So uh, a couple of the biggest piece would be three millimeters, maybe. Yeah, have a ruler in the kitchen. Irene and I both, of course, <laughs> have rulers in our kitchen, but everyone's <laughs> thinking we're bonkers at this point, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> how many? I've got to ask you. How many weighing machines have you got? How many scales? I've only got. Two, I've got two, but I use um oh, the cups, cups so sorry as well. For you. <laughs> how many have you got? <laughs> Five. Five. Yes. And timers? Oh, about half a dozen. <laughs> Okay, you've got uh, they, more they, they wear I've up. got five. My best one is one that goes around my neck, which I I couldn't be yes. parted from. So I can take it anywhere. Um, when I used to do a lot of gardening, <laughs> I, it was fatal having a cake in the oven and going gardening. Absolutely <laughs> catastrophic. Um, they're absolutely delicious, and I strongly recommend them. And I think you need to just follow Irini's tips with the handling of the dough to get it Feather light and crunchy, because that's obviously what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for sharing those precious formulas. The other thing I should say about Rini's book is that apart from the recipes, which are excellent and very nicely organized into a section of everyday and entertaining, which is slightly unusual. It sounds an obvious way to do it, but it's it's very helpful because you you either you've got the stuff for tonight or the, this week, and then you've got the stuff for. Sunday and beyond. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really nice way to, to organise it. And I also love the pictures of your family, the, the period pictures. <laughs> so you're going through everyone's album albums to to get those pictures, weren't yes, you? Yes, well, I, I was lucky to have them. Um, as a child, all these people who are in the book um, had a big impact in my life, particularly grandparents, of course. I was very sad that I didn't have photographs of my grandparents who came from Asia Minor because they brought a different culture of food. The but, the, but there were no pictures of them. But no. I didn't have, no. I have one of my grandmother with her piece of cheese in it, but not my grandfather, who was amazing. I don't know if you can comprehend what I'm going to tell you, but as a child, imagine sitting by the fire, warming yourself, and suddenly you see your grandfather over the naked flames with a lot of chickpea flour in a frying pan, staring it. Staring it forever, seeing it change color, start smelling the chickpea flour, not having a clue what it's going to be. He wouldn't tell me. And at the end, you know what the product of that fried chickpea flour was used for? He made coffee. God, That was his coffee because he had run out of coffee. And now, is that something they do in Turkey to this day? Is that something that they did as children or he saw some elders do it. I've never seen it since. And it was, so it was toasted or roasted chickpea flour. Yep. Someone listening might be able to shed some light on that. Let's, if, you, if you're listening and you can shed some light, write into BBC Good Food and it will find its way to Irini and me. That would be amazing. Yeah, somebody be, be could very, tell us more. Very nice to know. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, because I'm, we're going to move on and I'm going to ask you some quick questions to really put you on the spot. Um, 
BBC Good Food is really behind Sunday lunch. We're doing a sort of campaign to save Sunday lunch. So I'd love to know what your ideal Sunday lunch is, your dream Sunday lunch, where you'll be, who's there with you and what you're cooking. Okay. Well, I could tell you a number of romantic situations, always back home, always in a village, under a plane tree, sharing lunch with millions of people. But I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You're covering your bases. So that one, that one's one, one favorite. I like the sound of that very much. Yes, and usually there's a spring of cold water running and the beers and the watermelons are in that (sighs) water chilling. You know, yeah, I can paint you fabulous pictures, but then you will want to get up and go. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't want to do that. (laughs) What I've discovered recently, and I'm so happy I have, is that rather than entertaining the evenings, it's wonderful to entertain during the day where you take your time where you can offer your uh, cannabis and amuse-bouche and I can create my cocktails and offer them to guests because recently I've got into mixology. I'm fascinated by mixing drinks, so I do that a lot. And then the part of of that Sunday lunch, so we're giving Sunday lunches basically, forget the Friday nights, forget the Saturday nights, go out, take, you know, bring in fish and chips, entertain during Sunday. I think it's fabulous. Most people don't have anything to do on a Sunday at lunchtime, I find. And um, I then cleverly, I, I don't know if I can take credit, but it happened by accident. I discovered that if I involve the guests into the plating of the food, then my load is so much lighter. So I create um, lunches where the guests are invited into the kitchen where they've got lots of different uh, prepared elements to the dish and I invite them to create their own. So they come in and they 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 make their own plates from what you have exactly. made. So it could be a tuna ceviche, it could be a cured salmon, it could be something cold with lots of pickles, lots of... Um, Lots of different dressings, um, nuts, um, um, vegetables, you know, micro leaves, whatever. And they're invited. And of course, we have many laughs because men sometimes do silly things. Because <laughs> 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 and some women don't want to follow the rules or what they know. They know the rules, but they think, no, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to mix that with that. And I record them and I take videos and photographs. So we have a lot of fun. Then they take their play tweet. And when the time comes for the main course, in a way, it's more or less the same because it's usually a roast and Lots of other vegetables, again, uh, jus and sauces and things. And it's so easy. It takes so much of the pressure away that everything has to be piping hot and I've got to get it to the table on time. And, and people love these experiences. And do you lay that out in the kitchen? Do you have a separate kitchen or is it kitchen? Yes. So you have a separate kitchen. So yes. they come into the kitchen and yes. then they, they rootle around and they yes. choose what they want. How lovely. Yeah. And they can have a, they can have their own different combinations. So if they're yeah. particularly fond of carrots, they can have more carrots. Yes. And, and they go back sometimes to try different combination from the first time. Yeah. Because they say, oh, I didn't use the cobinance last time. I'll go back and take... I think with with buffet type things, the, the trick is to have 
not too much on your plate so that you've got a thoroughly good excuse to go back yes. and try everything else a second time without yes. without loading it up too much so that people think that you're playing greed, greedy, even if you are greedy, as I'm very <laughs> greedy indeed. Well, I want to come to Sunday lunch with you, Irini. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, anytime. Now, I've got some... Sorry to... I've forced you on air to say that you're going to invite me to Sunday lunch. You really don't know. <laughs> Isn't that have... clever? <laughs> <laughs> I only meant that I only meant that it sounded to me like my dream dream Sunday Look, lunch. Look, you're talking I'm to a so Greek. You're talking to a woman from Crete. Is it possible that I would leave this studio without inviting you to lunch? <laughs> well, I will come to Cumbria for that lunch, even though it's the very end of the opposite end of the country for me. Now, I've got some um, quick fire questions for you. We ask all our guests these questions. Um, so you don't have to think about them very hard. So, um, your most well-thumbed cookery book? I, I'm, yes, I'm going to shock you. I mean, I'm, I know I'm giving you very, perhaps very different question, uh, answers to questions that you're asking me. It's not a cookery book. It's The Flavor Thesaurus. Oh, by Nikki Segnit. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, the pages have started coming off now. <laughs> <laughs> not only well-thumbed, it is my Bible. Um, now, what music do you cook to? Abba. Abba. <laughs> and my favorite track, Dancing Queen. A great place for cheap eats or a pub or a market somewhere inexpensive where you can get a great bite. Are you happy to pay for the train fare to come to, come to Cambria? <laughs> Great. We are so lucky. We have such a foodie culture in Cambria. But some of it's very high end. What have you got that's low end, kind of very inexpensive? You actually go to little towns, uh, market towns like Kendall or Ulverstone, and we have um, farmers markets and uh, they're there selling amazing little pies, beautiful sandwiches made with morcan prawns, um, all kinds actually of uh, local or not local, widely known foods. And um, I love going shopping on a market day and actually treating myself to something from a store, from a stand. Do you have a nice old-fashioned basket? No, not yet. <laughs> a little red riding hood. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, something that's always in your fridge. Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt? You can do so much with Greek yogurt. I'll agree with you there. <laughs> now, confessions, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Biggest cooking disaster. Oh, gosh. That's actually not a confession. Anybody who has watched MasterChef in my year will know this. I was in tears. I was inconsolable. It was so embarrassing. I shouted at the program director, (laughs) telling him, take your camera out of my face. You really want to create good TV. You don't care about the way I feel. (laughs) And that was in Hong Kong, where... Now, that's a lesson for our listeners who go to the internet only for their recipes. Watch it, guys. Sometimes the internet, you know, stuff is not always reliable. I mean, I found a fantastic recipe of yours for Christmas pudding. And my Christmas pudding in 2022 was your recipe. (laughs) Well, that was from the BBC Good Food website. I know. And that was my best school friend's great-grandmother's recipe. I know the one you mean because it's very popular. It's very classic. It's very simple. It is beautiful. I tweaked it a little. Oh, I think you would. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a little. (laughs) Only because in Greece, one of the things that we do a lot is we candy fruit. We have a lot of beautiful fruit and we don't want it all to go to waste. So I had lots of candied fruit in jars and instead of using ready-made candied peel, 
I chopped my own candied orange, my own candied. I even put candied grapes in. Oh, fantastic. So it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But I followed the recipe on online to create something called um, ginger curd without oh. having done it before. So I go to Hong Kong, this hotel under pressure. My task was to create a dessert. I designed this beautiful three island dessert, Crete, Britain and Hong Kong. In my head, it was going to be superb. And one of my dishes was a layer of plum gel and this curd that I would make from ginger. Well, it was a total disaster. The hotel um, chef, at the end of it, after I had calmed down and I had accepted it was a disaster, he said to me, do you know this thing normally takes three, four days to make? <laughs> I said, ah, ha, the internet didn't tell me that. Oh. I thought I could do it in one morning. Yeah. So I was inconsolable. When I won, the day they gave me the trophy, John Torod came over to me and said, I hate you. I said, what do you mean? Why are you hating me? He said, do you remember that time in Hong Kong where you were falling apart and you were, the people outside were loving it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, these production people, they get very carried away, don't they? Well, <laughs> they were enjoying your demise, were they? Yes. Well, they, of course, they didn't have a, a way of knowing either what was happening outside. We were in our cocoon in the kitchen in a meltdown. And the people outside were focusing on the flavors and not the look, perhaps, or, you know. I think you need to confront your demon and make ginger curd and get it right. Have you have you revisited ginger curd since? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's you a should. Great I think it's idea, like getting Orlando. back into a car after you've had a car crash. You need to do that thing, you know, just. Only get if it I bring system. it here and you try it. <laughs> Next time we'll have a ginger <laughs> yes. curd session. What makes you optimistic for the future? This is obviously so that we can go out on a positive note, but we've had such a positive podcast, haven't we? we <laughs> yes. It's been such fun. What, make, what makes you optimistic for the future? I'm a spiritual person and I feel very grateful every day, every every second of the day for what I'm enjoying, what I have. And actually this in my nature gives me a lot of optimism. Anyway, I believe humans are, we are all amazing. We have suffered and, um, and, and stood the test of time and we've proven ourselves that we can actually handle anything and on the occasion that I'm in a, in a discussion that is a bit heavy about the environment, about this, about the economy, about say, guys, it'll be fine. We will find a way to deal with whatever comes. And that's my belief. That's, that's, that's me. That's Fantastic. Well, with that, Irini, that joyous note, <laughs> thank you so much for being a charming and extremely informative guest. Uh, it's been an absolute pure pleasure. And I need to get back to this biscuit, this courabier. <laughs> thank you for coming in. Thank and you very Lovely, much. lovely to meet you. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed it.